Welcome to This Youth Generation, working to improve the quality of life for youth in our community. I'm your host, Dion D. Price, author and youth life skills coach. I'm looking forward to engaging you on the topic of critical issues concerning today's youth generation by way of informative edutainment through storytelling, discussion, and interviews. If you're a parent, educator, or youth worker, this program will be a valuable resource for you. Let's get to it. This youth generation, Dion Price, Life of a Youth Worker, this episode is based on a column that was recently published. The column is, why is there such a high turnover rate in youth service work? We're noticing a recent increase in resignations among youth service workers. People are opting out of the field at a noticeably high rate. We've had about a 10 volunteer resignations in the organization that I work for within the past six months. Other youth service organizations are seeing similar trends, school districts, nonprofit organizations. So what gives? Is it the stress level of the work, the pay rate, the risk that comes with the job? What is it? In a recent presentation to a group of county community service workers, I encourage them to reignite the passion and drive that sparked their desire to serve the population. I encourage them to remember why they got in this work, why they got in this field in the first place, and to think about the many lives they have influenced in the years as a youth worker, youth service worker, and imagine the many more that could be influenced in the future. Recently, on my way to work, I was approached by a young lady in her mid-30s or early 30s as I was going into my place of, of employment in the Northern California, San Francisco area. She said, hey, is your, sir, is your name Dion?" I said, yes. Looking at her like, okay, what, who's this woman approaching me? Do I owe you money or something? What's going on, <laughs> right? Uh, and I said, yes, I'm Dion." She said, did you work for a program in the in YMCA in about 2002 called the Stars? I said, I vaguely remember, yes. She said, well, my name is such and such. I remember you. You were my instructor for the STARS program. So apparently this woman remembered this life skills program that I facilitated in 2002, which is almost, well, exactly 20 years ago, that this woman, she was now, she was in middle school now, she's in her mid thirties or early thirties, but she remembers the impact of that program. She was working now for an organization called St. Anthony's, working in community service. So. She remembered the details and the impact. And that really made my day. And it was validating that no matter what you do, the impact you can have on young people can last decades as it did in this young woman. And she was so grateful and thankful. Of course, I didn't remember her. You don't, people don't look the same in middle school and they are when they're in their early 30s. But she remembered the impact that I had. I took that energy into work with me with some new enthusiasm as I recommend other people to do so. You never know the impact you can have. That was reassuring to me. That gave me an extra boost of energy to go into my line of work with some more passion and some more lift that we're doing the right thing. So all the things that would normally get on my nerves that day, it had no effect on me. That's the impact we wanna have as we go to work. We're gonna keep remembering, we keep finding ways to rejuvenate and reignite that passion that we have. 
maybe remember an experience, maybe remember an impact you've had so you can go into your job and as a youth service worker with that, that, that youthful enthusiasm, same enthusiasm that you had when you first started. As in many industries, there's an inevitable wall of emotional fatigue. You hit it in this field. A coworker of mine submitted her two weeks notice just last week recently. And the way she said she was tired, she didn't even have a job, a second job of employment. She just resigned because she was tired. And the way she just used the word tired, I can tell she was just so emotionally drained. The way she emphasized that word told me that it was more than just the, the, the layers of emotional weight that comes in this line of work. I could feel that she was emotionally spent at this point. Burnout is real. The burnout is real in this industry. I've been there myself. The question is, how do we maintain that zeal to serve this population? A little professional perspective. I'm reading a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor. And it really emphasizes how productive and how impactful employees who are naturally feel better and are happier in their personal lives, how much more effective they are and productive they are, regardless of the industry that they're in, whether it's sales, whether it's the industrial industry, whether it's electronic or it's a technical industry or service industry, employees who are naturally happier last longer, they're more effective, they're more productive, and they make a greater impact and they make the environment better. So CEOs and managers and directors of departments and organizations are starting to realize that and starting to research what does it take to help employees maintain their sanity and their peace, maintain their self-care so they can come to work in the right healthy mental emotional state so therefore they can be much more productive the book is called the happiness advantage again by sean Aker, and there's some very there's some very beneficial anecdotes and information in that book and i highly recommend it i often ask young people what they think is the greatest resource in the world the most common response i get is money oil gold land but I believe the greatest resource in the world is people. You can obtain and sustain and maintain any other resource in the world through human beings. So if human beings are the greatest resource in the world, then the cultivating of human beings should be of great value to the world. That means parents, teachers, ministers, counselors, and youth coaches should be the most valued and prestigious occupations in our society, right? wrong. It's not. We're at the bottom of the totem pole. Athletes, entertainers, and musicians get much more and much more than they deserve, in my opinion, respect and accolades than doctors, lawyers, teachers, and ministers. That's just how our society is. Unfortunately, a youth worker does not nearly receive the same measure of respect or appreciation or compensation as these other occupations, the athletes and the entertainers. During my journey as a youth worker, I've learned the valuable lesson of humility by investing my heart, soul, and improving the quality of life for young people in the community that I live in. This line of work is tiring, it's emotional, it's taxing. You'll experience more failures than success in this business, 
most of your target group will be influenced more by their environment than the wisdom of their parents, teachers, pastors, coach, or you. Most of them will not choose the road less traveled. They will blindly follow the crowd of trends that will lead them to the trouble that you try to redirect them from. And that's draining. Sometimes that can be discouraging to a youth worker. This means we need to be their eyes, ears, and compass to navigate them through the troubled terrain. When that doesn't happen, that can weigh on you, feeling, giving you the sense of failure, adding more stress and weight to this work when you don't see immediate results in the fruit of your labor. Scripture says this, it does not belong to man walking to direct his own step. That's from Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23. What that means is if men, fully grown men, we all need guidance, particularly if we all need guidance, particularly young people need guidance. We have to be the eyes and ears. We have to help them see things that they will not see in their path. And that's also a level of responsibility that can add some stress to us. That's a lot of responsibility to put on because if one of those young people that you directed goes left instead of right and leads them to a life of trouble, danger, or maladaptive behaviors, then some of us will take on that weight and emotional responsibility and blame themselves. I've done that. I've been there as well adding to the stress and pressure of this line of work. So if you have aspirations of becoming a youth worker in a high-risk environment, particularly, you may find yourself attending more funerals than graduations. Many of youth you work with will move on to correctional institutions as opposed to educational institutions. Be mindful that this work is not for the faint of heart. You will see, hear, and experience things that you may not want to share or bring home to your family. I had a good friend of mine who was working in child protective services, and he was so emotionally drained from the disheartening things that he experienced in his line of work that when he came home, he took off his clothes, shoes, hat, and he stayed in his garage for about 20 minutes to get the mindset. And he didn't want to bring any of that negative energy into his home. And I understand how that is. When I come home, I see some things that I've experienced in my job. I have to leave it emotionally where it is. I cannot bring that energy to my son, no matter how bad the day was, no matter what I've heard in, in my line of work, regardless of what I've experienced, I cannot transfer that energy and bring it home. And it's almost inhuman to separate those emotions, but you have to do it in order to rejuvenate, in order to not take one set of a negative experience and, and let it affect the next. And that goes both ways, no matter how stressful, challenging, or raggedy or whatever issues you're experiencing in your personal life, be it financial, emotional, marital, or whatever's going on, you cannot allow that to infiltrate your energy and affect you at work. You have to be able to separate those two. And that's not easy as well, but that's why self-care and transitional emotional balance and social intelligence and emotional management is so vital in this line of work in order for you to be effective at work and not to let your work affect your home life and not let your home life affect your work life and vice versa. That will help you sustain. With this line of work, you may not be rewarded or even appreciated 
for your efforts or the lies you saved at times. You're the unsung hero. You're the true underdog. You must embrace the role of David versus Goliath. Similar to the game of baseball, if you succeed four out of 10 times, you're a superstar. Like in baseball, at 10 at-bats, you're going to either strike out or put out six out of the 10 times. That's a lot of failure. Just like those statistics in baseball, our line of work are similar. Of the 10 young people you work with, maybe three or four of them are going to embrace the message and benefit from the direction, your leadership, your mentorship, your guidance, your, your coaching, your teaching. Six, maybe seven of them may not benefit at all. They'll go in a negative direction. They may not benefit. They may not listen. It may not be effective, but you can accept that as golden. If you become complacent with these odds, then you're in the wrong business. If I strike out nine times and I got one more at bat, I got to be in my mindset. I got to be 100% confidence that the next pitch, I'm knocking it out of the park. We have to be that way. You can strike out with nine youth in a row, but that next one that comes to your door, that next one is going to be the one that's going to be inspired, going to be embraced, is going to have an impact, and that person is going to lead themselves to prosperity. You have to be that, you have to be that confident. We cannot let our failures allow us to affect the next person, the next youth. We have to grow from them. Challenge yourself to never accept the unhealthy conditions of the environment. This is the harsh reality of a youth worker. To quote my good friend, Kevin Bracey, who is an international motivational entertainer, do not grow weary of the amazing work you're doing for youth. End quote. Often encourage workers, youth workers, and educators myself to stay in love with the work. You can hate the job, but love the work. The love for the work will sustain you. See, it's similar to a wedding, honeymoon, and the marriage. Newlyweds are very excited. They love this event. That, that wedding is spectacular. They're happy doing the happiest time in their life is doing that wedding ceremony. Then they continue that passion, excitement into the honeymoon for the first few weeks, maybe a month, some even maybe a year. But then there's the marriage. The reality kicks in and the challenges of a marriage kicks in. Then you start noticing things about that mate, that person you married, start wondering, why did I marry this person in the first place? Why did I marry you again? <laughs> That's the reality of a marriage. The courtship, why did I, things that come up that you, that you didn't notice in the courtship and the honeymoon. You start wondering, why did you marry this person in the first place? In the same sense, we have to keep cultivating that zeal for youth work that caused you to choose this as a career. That's that wedding. And when you get that first job in this field, you feel like that wedding, that excitement, right? All bells and whistles. It's a great feeling when you land that first job in your field. That's like the wedding. Then that energy for the first year or so in the field is like the honeymoon. You're all excited. You're feeling good. You're doing the life's work. But then after several years, maybe a year or so in the field, then you start feeling the stress and pressure and politics and the failures and all those things that come in this line of work, the job you start, then you start questioning your career choice. That's the marriage. It's the same thing. But you have to stay at the top of your game. One of my favorite quotes from Dr. King is, whatever affects one,
directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality by Dr. King. And what he means is we are indirectly affect one another. I have to be at the top of my game every day to impact someone. If I hadn't been at the top of my game, I would not have been able to impact that young lady that I shared with you at the beginning of this podcast 20 years ago that obviously moved her to build and improve the quality of her life so she can continue to do community work herself. She remembered and it had a positive effect. If I hadn't been at the top of my game, it would not have had an impact on her. So I indirectly affected many more than people, many other people. I indirectly affected so many other people that that person, young lady, has chosen a career to help improve others' lives. So in a sense, we plant seeds. We have nothing to do with how it grows. But in order for us to continue to be that difference maker, we need to remain healthy ourselves so we can sustain the impact and the stress and the casualties and the ugly part of this job so that we can benefit from the pretty side. Self-care is absolutely critical. This is why there's such a high turnover rate in this field, but there's also great rewards. Just a thought, just a message. This youth generation, Dion Price, life of a youth worker. I'm just a humble servant trying to make a difference. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this program, download the podcast or subscribe to the channel. We appreciate your support.